Hey there, and welcome to the Locked On Sooners podcast. We're going to talk more about Caleb Williams' decision to enter the transfer portal. Another Williams has made it known he will also enter the transfer portal, what it might mean for the Oklahoma Sooners wide receiver core. And we're going to get into Oklahoma's loss to Baylor on the hardwood tonight on Locked On Sooners. are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Sooners Nation? Welcome to the Locked On Sooners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners and on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast. You can also subscribe to the show over on YouTube. Make sure you hit the notification bell, letting you know when a new episode drops. Hit that like button. Let me know how you feel about the show in the comment section. We'd love to hear your feedback as well. And today's episode is brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Head to netsuite.com slash locked for a special end of year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. The Oklahoma Sooners business has been uh, seeing a little bit of attrition over the last several days. Not unexpected, so to speak. The, The Oklahoma Sooners had a big coaching change out the door, Lincoln Riley, in the door, Brent Venables, new offensive coordinator, Jeff Levy, new defensive staff for the most part. And so it was expected that there would be some transfers entering the portal. And Caleb Williams was one of those. He entered the transfer portal on Monday. And we talked about it on yesterday's show. So if you didn't get a chance, I kind of dug in deep a little bit on that. But I kind of want to go back into that a little bit because having slept on it, having had 24 hours to process it, I threw a little question up there on our Twitter account at Locked On Sooners and asked, like, hey, what's your kind of optimism? What what are your thoughts? What are the what are the chances you give Caleb Williams returning to Oklahoma? And I kind of put mine had gone from like, you know, I, I felt really good about it a week ago after the Alamo Bowl. I felt less good about it. And then uh, last night I put it at about 25%. That's kind of where I stand this morning as well. And getting a lot of great feedback, a lot of responses to the question. And a lot of people have, you know, this idea that there's zero chance that he comes back to the Oklahoma Sooners. And I, and it makes sense to me, you know, if Dylan Gabriel wasn't committed to the Oklahoma Sooners, I'd probably have a little bit higher level of optimism that Caleb Williams could return. But with Gabriel in the fold, that gives you a bona fide starter heading into 2022 and not much reason for Caleb Williams to feel like, Hey, I I've got to go back. There's not much pressure there to there be there with his guys and so there's a lot of folks that responded to the question over on twitter and feel free to let me know what you what percentage you place on caleb williams returning to oklahoma in the comment section there but i kind of i'm starting to see my optimism dwindling even further if you could even call 25 percent optimistic but seeing everybody's responses here reading rationale and having a day to process all the information I'm kind of at that point where I'm not necessarily zero. I'm never going to rule out anything happening there. There's always a chance. Right. And so, but I'm probably closer to one today than I was yesterday where I was at 25% just based on just kind of all the things that have transpired, you know, Lincoln Riley leaving. That's his guy, Caleb Williams. I mean, we we've talked about it, right? We talked about it in the, 
the lead up to the Alamo Bowl. We talked about it in the aftermath that if you were committed, that would have been the time to commit um, to the Oklahoma Sooners. Now he definitely has the the right to go out and pursue his options and pursue different opportunities just, just to see what's out there. But given the fact that he's actually doing that, I have a hard time believing that he's coming back. Sad to say. I would love for Caleb Williams to come back. I still think he's a really, really good quarterback. Yes, there were some ups and downs this year, but let's be real. He's a really good quarterback. Every team in, in the country, aside from Alabama and Ohio State, want, would want him to be their quarterback. That's the reality of the situation. There's only two teams in college football that would take their quarterback over Caleb Williams, and that's Ohio State and that's Alabama. C.J. Stroud at Ohio State and Alabama with Bryce Young. It doesn't matter if you got Quinn Ewers at Texas. It doesn't matter if you've got Spencer Rattler at South Carolina. If you have the chance to take Caleb Williams, you're taking him. And so he's going to have plenty of offers out there, plenty of options. You're already seeing names like Georgia pop up, UCLA, UNC. The, the list will continue to grow uh, as, as kind of the days transpire. I mean, USC is definitely a possibility. I don't see that being the case because I think, I don't know, it, it's definitely a possibility. I'm not going to rule it out because that's that's his guy. Lincoln Riley was his guy. He was shocked by Lincoln Riley's decision to leave, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to follow him to go play at USC either. Uh, UCLA is a really, really interesting name, a really interesting option with Chip Kelly. I don't necessarily know if he fits more of that that kind of spread offense, the the running gun style. But, I mean, we saw a guy like Marcus Mariota really thrive in Chip Kelly's offense. We've seen guys like Dennis Dixon. And so Caleb Williams will thrive, would thrive there as well. And it, looking at Oklahoma's situation, it makes you – I don't know, it's just really confusing to me. Is he going to find a better system with better players somewhere else? I don't know. Like, I don't know that that's the case. Are there good waters? Like Arkansas probably has a really good situation. Although Traylon Burks is going to the NFL. So not as much, but like, yes, there are good wide receivers across the country, but are there, are they better than what Oklahoma's got? Are they going to, is he going to find a system? Yes. Chip Kelly's a great offensive coordinator, great offensive play caller. Is he that much better than Jeff Levy? I mean, he's got a little bit more, he's got a few more skins on the wall. Sure. And if you go to a place like UCLA, you're going to, you know, the, aside from like Utah and what Oregon's building on defense, you're not really going to have these big defensive uh, stalwarts like he saw in the Big 12 this year with Oklahoma State and Baylor and Iowa State, West Virginia. You know, the defenses are getting better and better in the Big 12. And you go out to the Pac-12, they're not as good. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to be real. Like Oregon, they're good. They're a good-ish defense. Utah's a really good defense. But other than that, like, what do they have? Like, what, what kind of competition is he going to face out in the Pac-12? And that's not to say that he's afraid of competition. It's just to say, like, he's going to have a really good chance to put up good numbers and, and look really, really good if he goes to the Pac-12 and plays under Chip Kelly at UCLA. Again, I think Jeff Lebby in Oklahoma provide a really good situation for him. But like I've said earlier in the show, I just my confidence level has really diminished to this point. And I would love for Caleb Williams to be back. I think he makes Oklahoma better. I think even just competition between him and Dylan Gabriel would make whoever won the starting quarterback job, they'd be better. Would Caleb Williams come back 
without being guaranteed the starting spot. I doubt that, but I would not want necessarily to bring him back and just be like, all right, yeah, it's, it's your job. I mean, you got a bona fide starter in Dylan Gabriel that could start for you and could, I mean, he could beat out Caleb Williams and win the job. Who knows? Like quarterback competitions are weird things. I do think Caleb Williams is still a better quarterback than Dylan Gabriel, but I don't necessarily think it's like the gap is that big. We've seen Dylan Gabriel be very, very successful in his time at UCF. He's a guy that doesn't really turn the ball over very much. He's won a lot of games, throws for a lot of yards. He's a good, good quarterback. Uh, so it, it's still, man, it's going to be fascinating to watch and see how Caleb Williams kind of takes this decision, how fast he makes the decision. I mean, they got to enroll in classes in just a couple weeks or less than a couple weeks. So is he going to be there for spring practice for you know spring ball? If he wants to be, he's going to have to make a decision rather quickly on where he wants to end up. Um, I, I think that Oklahoma is definitely a possibility, but I don't necessarily know that um, it's going to be the, the, the end result. I think probably the greater possibility is that he ends up on one of the coasts. Um, I don't necessarily see him coming back to Oklahoma at this point. Sad to say. Caleb, it was real. We enjoyed you while we had you. It was a great season. Yes, it had some ups and downs, but we'll always have the Texas game. Thank you for that memory. I mean, just watching you scoot for 66 yards for a touchdown, watching those throws to Marvin Mims uh, for the scores. I mean, it was it was fantastic to watch. So if you don't end up coming back, we at least have that as a lasting memory. And we have the Oregon or the Alamo Bowl win against Oregon as well. But coming up next, let's talk about some of the ripple effects of Caleb Williams' decision to transfer and what could potentially transpire as well. And we got men's basketball to talk about in the third segment. But first, let me talk to you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried it, you're missing out. I love Built Bar. I've been eating it for more than a year and a half now. And I'm I'm so down with built bar it's fantastic they got a great caramel macchiato bar out available for you right now at built.com so make sure you check that out i love the peanut butter brownie it's one of my go-tos every time i get built bar and the mint brownie as well if i'm you know just not sure which one i want to try this time i go with the peanut butter brownie the mint brownie it hits home every single time the coconut almond is also really really good and i'm really excited to try the, the caramel macchiato i love coffee love coffee flavored things and also love caramel. So that I think is going to be a great option as well. And it's got low calories, low carbs, uh, high in protein and low in fat. It's great for you and it tastes great as well. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKS15, get you 15% off your next order at built.com. I also want to talk to you about Get Upside. With an incredible app like Get Upside, everyone who buys gas needs to know about this. Our listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play Store right now. Use promo code SCORE and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot more are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back. And there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out at any time to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for other Amazon or other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE to get up to 50%, sorry, 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's promo code 
score. And let's talk about it, man. So Caleb Williams is in the transfer portal. His guy, Mario Williams, is also heading into the transfer portal. He mentioned it. He's like, I just want to, I want to play with Caleb Williams. And these are guys, these are a couple of guys that got really, really tight uh, during the recruiting process, had visions of playing together for several years while at Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley. All of that is dashed. And it's there's a good chance that wherever Caleb Williams ends up, Mario Williams will be there as well. And it's it's frustrating and it's disappointing. This is just kind of the the snowball, the avalanche of bad things happening since Lincoln Riley left. And you knew some of this was inevitable, but given that Jaden Hazelwood is gone, that Michael Woods is off to the NFL, Caleb Williams is gone, your offensive, your Kennedy Brooks is gone, Austin Stogner is gone, Jeremiah Hall is gone, you're losing a lot of your important offensive pieces. Now you still got some really good players like Theo Weiss, uh, Brian Darby, Trayvon West, Drake Stoops, uh, Jaleel Farouk, Cody Jackson. You've got guys that are still very capable of being significant players in your offense. At the same time, you're losing a lot of targets and a lot of receptions with Mario Williams heading into the transfer portal. This is the guy that, like a lot of the guys on the wide receiver group, was underutilized. I mean, the dude made plays when he got the opportunity. Uh, that Texas Tech game was just I thought it was going to be his coming out party and we were going to see a lot more Mario Williams after that, but he just didn't seem to get the same run the rest of the season. And so Mario Williams is gone, probably gone. If Caleb Williams is gone, Mario Williams is gone as well, but that's going to create opportunities for a guy like Jaleel Farouk. That being said, you know, Jaleel Farouk and and Caleb Williams are tight as well. Could Jaleel Farouk be the next domino to fall in the transfer portal? I have a sneaking suspicion that that's going to be the case. Again, we don't know what is motivating these kids at this point in time. I know that playing with Caleb Williams is what motivated Mario Williams to enter the transfer portal. Will it be the same for Jaleel Farouk, who had a breakout performance in the uh, in the Oregon, sorry, in the Alamo Bowl against Oregon? I think he could be a big time factor in Oklahoma's passing game if he does return with Dylan Gabriel. Now, there's a guy, you know, another guy in the wide receiver core, Marvin Mims. What's he going to do? Uh, I mean, he came to play with Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler's gone. Caleb Williams was going to be a nice kind of consolation prize. He's gone too. And so, yeah, Dylan Gabriel is a good quarterback, but is Marvin Mims going to be, you know, is he going to mesh well enough with him? Is he going to see that as um, a great opportunity for him to catch passes? Or is he going to follow Caleb Williams and Mario Williams into the transfer portal as well. That's going to be really interesting to follow. I mean, this is a team that is going to need to throw the ball at times next year with the defensive turnover that we're going to see. We lost six starters uh, to the transfer portal and to the NFL draft. Your defense is going to need to find some players and your offense is going to be able to, is going to need to have to score points in order to keep up at times with some of the offenses in the big 12. Um, I don't necessarily think that the defense is going to be able to shut teams down and, and hold them under 20 points regularly. And so you're going to need your offense to be able to score. Dylan Gabriel is a good quarterback, but he needs weapons too. Like that quarterback can't do it all on his own. So the Oise is back. Hopefully Braden Willis comes back. That would be your, your starting tight end. You got Caden Helms and Jason Llewellyn coming in, but they're true freshmen, or they'll be true freshmen next year. You got um, Nicholas Anderson, the wide receiver out of 
uh, Texas, who was originally committed to Oregon, the brother of Rodney Anderson. He's coming, but he'll, he'll be a true freshman as well. Jaden Gibson, he'll be a true freshman. And, and we've seen true freshmen break out and, and help Oklahoma before, whether it was Marvin Mims in 2020, Mario Williams this year, it's it, C.D. Lamb in years past. It's possible that these guys come in and have breakout season for the Oklahoma Sooners. But do you want to bank on true freshmen leading your team uh, at wide receiver? Probably not. That's why you really, really hope that a guy like Marvin Mims is back. Thankfully, you got Theo Weiss to come back from the transfer portal. He looks like a guy that's going to be primed for a big year uh, whenever that, whenever they start playing football in the fall. He's going to be up for a big year in 2021, or sorry, 2022. He's a guy I feel like will fit really, really well in Jeff Levy's offense. We've seen guys that are are good in the short to intermediate part of the field do really, really well. Like you look back to uh, DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. Those guys played really, really well under Jeff Levy. I believe they were there under Jeff Levy. Um, and I think Theo Weiss could thrive as well. Um, I guess, no, they weren't there under Jeff Levy. Levy came just after they went to the NFL. Uh, but I still think the Oise could could do really, really well um, in, in this offense, and he's going to need to. He could potentially be your leading receiver going into the fall if Marvin Mims steps out and, and goes into the transfer portal as well. Um, while, I mean, they do have Jalil Farouk, they do have Cody Jackson, but are those guys going to still be on the roster come the fall? That, that's a long time from now. The transfer portal is still hot and heavy. Guys are still putting their names in. Um, and so the, I, I don't necessarily have 100% confidence that those guys are going to be part of the wide receiver depth chart just because of what Caleb Williams decided to do. And if one wide receiver goes, what's the domino effect going to look like? Are other wide receivers going to follow suit? Marvin Mims is going to be the big name to watch heading for, moving forward. But um, again, not 100% confident that he's going to return until we hear something that he's going to return because I mean, like I said, he came to play with Lincoln Riley and Spencer Rattler and both those guys are gone now. Uh, Jalil Farouk, same thing. Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, both those guys are likely, I mean, Lincoln Riley's gone, but likely Caleb Williams is gone as well. So what's the wide receiver depth chart going to look like come the fall? It's going to be really interesting to find out because there's still a lot that could transpire. I mean, Michael Woods going to the NFL draft. I think that, that, is a huge move for him. I think he's got a chance to be probably, you know, fourth or fifth rounder. Just the production's not really there for him. He's got the athletic tools. He's got the speed. He's got the size. He could be a good wide receiver two in an offense or wide receiver three, but because the production isn't necessarily at that elite level, I have a hard time seeing him go in the first three rounds, especially as you, if you follow the draft much like I have in the the last five, six years, what you've seen happen is, there's a plethora of wide receivers that are available in the draft. And a lot of times teams are willing to wait to draft wide receivers until the second, third, fourth round. They'll target other positions where they may not be as deep, like interior defensive line, edge rusher, offensive tackle, quarterback, um, cornerback, and they'll allow deeper positions like wide receiver, running back to just kind of be pushed down the draft. Now that's not to say that, there aren't players taken in the top. We've seen it. CD lamb, you know, a few years back, it was the CD lamb draft. You had Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, um, CD lamb, Justin Jefferson, 
all go within the first 20, 22 picks or so. So wide receivers can get taken high. It's just that the depth, the overall depth of, the, of each wide receiver class is always pretty impressive. And so you'll see wide receivers kind of get pushed down the line a little bit. And so that's not to discount his talent. His talent is really, it's there. I wish he would have been used more this season, but uh, just the, the lack of production, I think will, will push him down um, the, the draft board a little bit for teams. But coming up next, let's talk about Oklahoma's uh, loss to the Baylor Bears. Um, before that, let me talk to you about NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth with visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR planning, and budgeting and more. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Are you trying to run your business with your hat over your eyes? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. For the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked. Head to netsuite.com slash locked for the special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That's netsuite.com slash locked. Hey, and thank you so much for making Lockdown Sooners your number one listen every single day. We appreciate all the support. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. So hit the subscribe button. Also hit the like button and the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. But let's talk about this Oklahoma Sooners loss to the Baylor Bears. Uh, it was a close game through the first half, uh, for much of the first half before Baylor kind of extended the lead to nine points before halftime. But Oklahoma fell 84 to 74. And just a few takeaways from this game Baylor's really, really good. They're a really good basketball team this year. Uh, the defending national champs look like they're going to be a load to deal with. Uh, in big 12 play in the NCAA tournament as well. They should be the favorites again this year because they just, they know how to hit shots, man. They, they don't need a lot of open space to hit threes because they just seem to hit threes at will against Oklahoma. They move the ball really, really well. They do have guys that can dribble penetrate and get to the rim as well. I mean, it's a really, really well-rounded, excellent basketball team. They're, I mean, if, if they're not playing your team, they're a pleasure to watch because they're just so good at what they do. Uh, you got guys hitting threes all over the floor uh, and, and just, like I said, just moving the ball really, really well on the Oklahoma front. You know, I thought they played a, a decent basketball game. You know, this is a team that came in after having several guys out due to COVID. They got the win over Kansas state um, and they put up a good fight against this Baylor team. I mean, there were several times it was, you know, within eight, you know, six to eight points throughout the game, but Baylor was just a, the better team on the night. Um, you had four guys finishing double figures. You had Jalen Hill with 12, Tanner Groves with 13, and Moji Gibson with 12 as well. Uh, and then you got Ethan Chargeois um, with 10 points. Um, but really, it's just it's a team that is going to play a lot of close games this year, I think, in Big 12 play. And I think they're going to win a lot of them. I think they're going to end up being one of the top you know, four teams in Big 12 play. They're a good basketball team. Uh, from the starters who I think, you know, they, they move the ball well as well. They hit shots. They've got good defense. They, they play well. It's just, they play, they came up against a juggernaut tonight. Um, 
but you got you've got a lot of really nice depth. You know, with Jordan Goldwire, he was hitting shots for him. It ended up with nine points. Uh, Bijan Cortez off the bench. This guy is a really really good passer. He just has really good floor vision. Just sees the court really really well. Made a, a few really nice passes that even um, you know uh, got some some rave reviews from uh, Fran Fraschilla as well. Um, and then I think that this is a team that is going to, I don't know. They're going to, they're, they're going to have a lot of really good wins this year. They might drop a few that are, you know, somewhat surprising, but with what Porter Mosier and the Oklahoma Sooners are building, it's going to be teams like Baylor. These guys that are, that are the upper echelon teams in the big 12 that are going to obviously give them the most trouble. But I think, against the rest of the big 12, I think they'll thrive. It's can they find a way to beat the Baylor's Kansas, Iowa States uh, in big 12 play. That's going to be the question because this is a really good team. They shoot well, they move the ball. Well, they play good defense. It's just, are they going to be able to play with teams like Baylor? Um, That's going to be the question because when you get into big 12 play, you get into the big 12 tournament, you get into the NCAA tournament. That's going to be, it's going to be the tough, the tough one. Um, But yeah, I'm a lot of good things happening with Oklahoma sports right now. Um, It's, it's a team that, you know, is going to be um, fun to watch this year. I think they're going to be, one of the more difficult outs when they do get into big 12 play um, and, and tournament play. I think they're going to be a team that nobody really wants to face um, when they get to that point, because they're going to be, they're going to be high. Like if they can hit shots, you know, tonight they didn't shoot very well from three point range. They shot just 25%. Uh, your guys that are, are some of the better three point shooters like Emoji Gibson was just one of six. Uh, and that makes a big difference you know, to the outcome of the game. Uh, but overall, he was like four. He was four of nine. Tanner Gross was four of five. Shot well. Jalen Hill six of eleven. I'm really liking Jalen Hill's game. Like he he's both just a, a nice spot up shooter, but also can get to the basket and finish there as well. Provides a nice well rounded game, as a lot of these guys do. I think they just have a lot of guys that are really really well rounded. Um, but I think something that they're missing is just kind of that that guy that can take over a basketball game, uh, an Austin Reeves type. They don't really have that right now, but they play really good team basketball. And, and that's going to be the, the way that they win in 2022. So that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Again, thanks so much for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We'll be back tomorrow uh, with the Big 12 Roundtable. I'm sure those folks will have a lot to discuss on the Oklahoma Sooners front, so make sure you tune in for that as well. But until tomorrow, my name is John Williams. Boomer Sooner.